Good morning, everybody. I'm just going to wait a minute and let everybody get online who can uh, as we build an audience. I'm actually going to grab a cup of coffee that is just finished brewing. Um, if you are watching this later, you're not live, this would be a good time to skip forward because I'm going to wait a couple of minutes for everybody to get online. Hey, Brent, Susanna, Cody. Um, I'm just going to wait a few minutes for people to get online. I'm going to get up, grab me a cup of coffee. I encourage you to do the same thing. We're going to be uh, informal today and uh, very comfortable as we look into God's Word. Hey, Nikki, Allie, uh, just one second. I'm going to grab me a cup of coffee. You do the same. We're going to let people get online, and we'll start in just a minute. Hey, Doug, Kristen, Dan, wish we could do a little music this morning. I don't have my guitar. Hey, Lisa. Looks like we've already got 42 folks. Y'all just, 44, y'all just hang on, okay? We're going to get started just just another minute or so for people to join. Grab you a cup of coffee. If you are our normal New Life folks, welcome, good morning. If uh, you're snowed in somewhere, this is not your normal uh, church body, we welcome you. We are glad that you're with us this morning. Um, I really hated to cancel our services. I mean, I really hated to cancel our services. But there was I was out driving, and on the back roads are really, really still icy. And uh, it's freezing, so they're not warming up any. So I didn't want to have anybody on the roads and put anybody at risk. But let's make the best of it. Is this not crazy that we can come together like this and have church and, and, have, and study the Word together? I think this is phenomenal. I think this is pretty cool. We're going to make the best of it. Um, uh, while people are still joining, I'm going to take this, just a couple of minutes to go through some announcements for our house, for New Life, just while everybody's getting online. Hey, Debbie. Uh, hope everybody's doing well this morning. Um, Here's a few announcements for the house. Uh, number one, worship auditions, January the 15th. That's next Sunday. Everybody say, next Sunday. Yeah, I do it online too. I'm sorry, I can't help it. Next Sunday, January 15th at 3 p.m. If you are interested in auditioning, I know that uh, Dan would love that. Uh, you need to go online at newlifecanton.com forward slash worship audition and sign up for that. Number two, this is huge. Growth Track. Growth Track begins January the 22nd. Growth Track is the on-ramp to everything, everything we do at New Life. And that's, those classes begin next, uh, no, I'm sorry, January 22nd, two weeks from today. And you can sign up online. Go to our website, newlifecanton.com. Sign up there or next Sunday in the lobby, which, by the way, looks amazing. 
you guys need to be there, if for nothing else, next Sunday to see the lobby. It is beautiful. So you can sign up for Growth Track. Be sure to do that. That's four weeks long, every Sunday after the 11th service. Uh, and we feed you lunch. It's free. Come on, it's free food, even if you're not interested in the church. Free food. Come on. It's good stuff. Number three is our family day and baptism. Communion day is three weeks. It's in January the 29th. And uh, it's a great day where all the kids are with us. And we have a time of family. We do this every fifth Sunday. When there's a fifth Sunday in a month, we have family day. And if you want to be baptized or you have a loved one or a child or somebody that wants to be baptized, you can sign up online again or in the lobby next Sunday or the next few Sundays. Be sure to sign up for baptism. And finally, obviously, um, there's no ushers to receive an offering this morning in your living room. So be sure to go online for our giving today, uh, you can do that easily at newlifecanton.com. It's very easy to give online, or if you just don't have any way to do that, just be sure whatever you are going to give this Sunday today, just bring it along with you next Sunday, and let's catch up next Sunday. We uh, are generous people because God is generous first. He loved us first. Okay, enough of that. I planned on beginning, and now there's about 67 of us. Hey, Barbie. Hey, Deborah. Hey, Andy. What's going on, guys? This is fun. Uh, this is actually kind of cool, but don't get used to it. We're still going to, you know, we're going to have church on a regular basis. All right, I, I plan to begin a new series today, had we been in service, called Unwrapped, Discovering Your Spiritual Gifts. But I'm not going to try to do that this morning without the PowerPoint and slides and media and videos and things that I had planned. Um, so we're going to start that next Sunday. But I have a short talk, I promise, it's short, uh, that I feel like will really prepare us for this series and also go right along with our season of fasting and prayer that we're in because I know we're all fasting, right? We're all fasting and we're all praying right now. Uh, if you haven't started that fast, I would encourage you to do that over the next couple of weeks. Um, God has been really speaking to me during this time and encouraging me. It's an awesome time. So I think this word goes right along with our fasting and, and prayer time. Um, uh, it's not going to be a long little talk here, so just hang in with me. Hang in the whole time. But I want to begin with a word of prayer. Okay, let's do that. Heavenly Father, this is so cool. I'm thankful for technology. I'm thankful for the opportunity to even when we can't meet together in person, we can meet online. And God, you are omnipresent anyway. You're everywhere at the same time. And so it really doesn't matter today that we're in, a, in different homes and different places. God, we are connected. Thank you, Jesus. We are connected by the power of your Holy Spirit. We are the body of Christ. And I feel your anointing right now. And I pray that it would just fall on us as we receive from the Word of God today. In Jesus' name. I wasn't going to do this, but do you mind if I... We haven't had any praise and worship, and I don't have my guitar. It's at the church. Do you, would you mind if I just... I'm just going to sing an old chorus. And if you know it, right there in your living room, just sing along with me. I love you, Lord, and I lift 
my voice to worship you, O my soul, rejoice, take joy, my King, in what you sweet, sweet sound in your ear. Let's do it one more time. I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you. Oh, my soul, rejoice, take joy, my King, in what you hear, and let it be a sweet, sweet sound in your Amen. Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, listen, I want to talk to us briefly today about a life that counts. A life that counts. The meaning of life. I mean, philosophers have been talking about this and arguing about this since people were on the earth. What amounts to a life that, what, what, What does it take for a life to count? What is the meaning of life? John the Baptist gives us some insight on this in Luke chapter 3. We're going to be in Luke chapter 3. And at this point in John's ministry, he is the man. This is before Jesus came on the scene, right before his baptism. Nobody knew who Jesus was. Everybody knew who John was. I mean, he was... Weird. He was a prophet. He didn't look like anybody else. He didn't sound like anybody else. He didn't preach like anybody else. He didn't smell like anybody else. He didn't eat like anybody else. But man, people were flocking out to the Jordan River to hear this man, to hear this prophet. And in Luke chapter three, verse seven, he begins to talk a little bit about uh, what it, what you know what it what constitutes a meaningful life. And. Uh, I'm going to begin this in the message version. I don't use the message version very often because it's paraphrased, but I love the way it's put here. So if you have your own Bible, I would put it down for a second. Uh, Don't try to follow along in your Bible because it'll be a little bit different and confusing. Just listen to how the message Bible words this. Luke chapter 3, verse 7. When crowds of people came out for baptism because it was the popular thing to do, I mean, people were... I mean, seriously, just people were going down just to see what was going on. It was like going to watch a fire burn. People are just drawn to it. People were drawn to this guy. And so people were coming down to be baptized just because everybody else was coming down to be baptized. When that happened and John saw that, it says, John exploded. And he says, brood of snakes. He calls them a brood of snakes. And most of the folks are religious people. And he's calling these religious people a brood. Now, how would you like to hear that on Sunday morning? (laughs) John had not uh, 
begun using the seeker-sensitive approach, and he never did. He never caught on to that. Uh, so, brood of snakes, what do you think you're doing slithering down here to the river? Do you think a little water on your snake skins is going to deflect God's judgment? Listen to what he says. It's your life that must change. It's your life that must change, not your skin. It's your life. In just a few weeks, like I said in the announcements, we are going to celebrate baptism at New Life. Folks, look, baptism is not a popularity contest. It's not something we do because someone else is doing it, because a friend is doing it. It's not something we do because it's what we think should we should do or somebody's expecting us to do. We don't do it because mama thinks we should do it or daddy thinks we should do it. Baptism is going public with a personal decision to follow Jesus Christ. It's a public display of a personal decision to follow Jesus. Spiritually speaking, it's identifying with the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord. When we go down into the water, that's the death. When we're under the water, that represents the burial. And then when we come up, that represents the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. It's a personal decision. It's a public display. And so in John's context, Jesus hadn't died yet. It was a sign of repentance from sin which is great, but John was warning them. He was like, look, folks, just because you come and get baptized, if your life doesn't line up, it doesn't mean anything. Come on. He's warning them. He's saying your lives have to line up with the decision to come and be baptized. And folks, look into the camera. (laughs) It's the same with us. It's no different than with us. We're fooling ourselves. We're fooling ourselves that we think we can live any old way that we want to and not incur God's judgment. That we can live any way we want and be okay. It's not true. James, the brother of Jesus, in his book, he says, faith without works is what? Dead. Faith without works is dead. And he compares it to a body that was once alive is now a corpse without breath. Now, he's not saying Listen, listen, listen. He's not saying that we are saved by our good works. What he is saying is that if we truly have given our hearts to Christ, if we've truly given our lives to Jesus, there will be evidence of that transformation. There will be evidence of that conversion. And one of those ways is through good works. Our life will reflect our conversion, our decision. Are we perfect? No, but our life will reflect it. Often the Bible calls this bearing good fruit in other places in the Word. Now John was calling these folks out on this. I mean, he was calling them out, saying just because you wander down here to the river and get wet, it doesn't mean a hill of beans if your life doesn't reflect your decision. And it's the same for us. Let's continue in our scripture. He says, And don't think you can pull rank, I love that, by claiming Abraham as father. He knew his audience. He knew these were Jewish people, children of Abraham, children of Isaac and Jacob. Jacob changed his name to Israel. These were Israelites. He knew 
who he was talking to. And a lot of times these folks thought just because they were children of Abraham that automatically they got to participate in the promise of Israel. And he's saying that's not true. He's saying, he says, being a child of Abraham is neither here nor there. Children of Abraham are a dime a dozen. God can make children from stones if He wants. Listen to what He says next. What counts is your life. What counts is your life. Not your last name. Not your position. Not your job title, not your pedigree, not which side of the tracks you were born on, not how much money you have in the bank account, not the degree that's sitting on your wall. What counts is your life. Somebody hear me today. And then he says this, talking about your life. Is it green and blossoming? Is it green and blo- is it alive? Is it growing? Is it, is it nourished? Is it getting bigger? Is it beautiful? Is it producing fruit? And then he says, because if it's not, he says, if it's dead wood, it goes on the fire. He's saying what is alive will count. What is dead will not last in eternity. It will be burned up. My challenge to us today, especially during this season of fasting and prayer, because we are fasting and praying, right? Is to examine our hearts, examine our lives, examine the way we live our life. It counts. The way we live, not just what we believe. Come on, somebody. Church in America has become about more about what we believe than how we live our life. That'll preach. Even on the internet. It's not just about what we believe that's important, but it's about how we actually live out our Christianity day to day. We need to examine our hearts, examine our lives. Is our life green and blossoming, or is it full of dead wood? Now, in my interpretation of Scripture, uh, the green and blossoming life is the one lived with purpose. The green and blossoming life is the one that's lived with purpose. The person that is doing what they've been called and designed to do. Now imagine, hold one second, I I left my paper clip, which was my illustration in the other room because I was going to do the the video from the other room and I forgot to bring it in here. So just one second here, look, do this. Go grab a cup of coffee and I'll meet you back here in 10 seconds. Did I make it? Did I make it? Did I make it? Just a normal paper clip. And I have no idea why. Don't ask me why later if you see me. But Lloyd's Bank of London, many, many years ago, undertook a study to find out what happens to a typical batch of paper clips when they are released throughout the workforce. What happens to 100,000 paper clips once they are released out onto the workforce? I have no idea how they did this, but they did a study and they found out. 
and it's pretty interesting. Out of the original batch of 100,000 paper clips that they found, they found that 3,916, yeah, I have no idea how they got that close, were actually used to unplug tobacco pipes. Now, remember, this is a long time ago in London, okay? But they were used to unplug tobacco pipes. 5,308 were used to clean under your fingernails. Now, I can kind of see that. 5,423 were used to pick teeth or scratch your ears. Now, I hope that wasn't the same paperclip that was used to pick under your fingernails. That's okay. 7,200 were used as hooks for belts, suspenders, and ladies for your bras. Didn't think you'd hear that this morning, did you? How about using a paperclip for that? Anyway, 14,163 were snapped, broken, or otherwise twisted during a phone conversation. So I, I can see this. I've probably done this. You're on the phone, you're talking, and you're just kind of playing around with this paperclip, and they break, and you throw them away. 14,000. 19,143 became mock card game chips, meaning like poker chips, like if you wanted something to bet. It doesn't cost anything. It's using for poker chips. Approximately 25,000. One-fourth. One-fourth. Eddie, I'm trying to do math here. Is that right? <laughs> 25,000 of these paper clips were lost completely, swept away, never used for anything. Only 20,000 of the original 100,000 were actually used for their created purpose to clip papers together. Only 20,000. The overwhelming majority was used to fulfill some other false purpose. It's a paper clip. Who cares, right? It can be easily replaced. Everybody look at me. Everybody look at me. Not so with you. Not so with you. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6.20, For God bought you. Come on. For God bought you with a high price. Not the price of a stupid paper clip. God bought you with a high price. And we all know what that price was. The blood of His own Son, Jesus Christ. God bought you with a high price. And then He says, So you must honor God with your life. You must honor God with your life. John says it, it, it's your life that matters. It's not the, 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 the traditions and the, the ceremonies. It's not the paper on the wall. It's your life that matters. Paul echoes it. Honor God with your body, with your life, because Jesus bought you with a price. Let's go on with our scripture. I'm changing now over to the New Living Translation. The New Living Translation, starting with verse 10 of Luke 3. The crowds asked John, what should we do? John has just blasted them. He's just called them a brood of vipers, snakes. And so they're like, dude, okay, what should we do then? How do we live a life that counts? Verse 11, John is quick to reply. If, <laughs> I love this. We're looking for some deep theological truth, some great philosophical answer. Listen to what John says in verse 11. He's replied, 
If you have two shirts, give one to the poor. If you have food, share it with somebody who is hungry. Come on. Even corrupt tax collectors came to be baptized and asked, Teacher, what should we do? Now, I think they completely thought that that John would say, Look, if you're a tax collector, dude, you just need to quit that job. That is a corrupt business. You just need to quit. He did not tell them to quit. Listen to what he said. He said, Collect no more taxes than the government requires. He didn't ask them to quit their jobs. He just said, Quit getting more taxes and collecting more taxes than the government requires. Quit cheating. Quit doing it wrong. Quit hurting people. Be truthful. Be honest. Verse 14 says, What should we do? Ask some soldiers. John replied, Don't extort money. Don't use your authority. Don't use your position immorally. Don't extort money. Don't make false accusations. Don't get people in trouble just because you don't like them. They haven't done anything. I'm, so, come on, somebody. And be, con- be content with your pay. Yeah. Verse 15. I mean, come on. John is giving us the meaning of life, of what it looks like to, have, to live a life on purpose. And it's not rocket science. It's not some deep, uh, hard-to-understand theological truth. He says if somebody's hungry, give them something to eat. If, if somebody's cold, you know, make sure you get them out of the cold. Think about that today. If you have a job and you have power in that job and you have position, don't take advantage of people. Be friendly. Be good to people. Take care of people. Verse 15. Everyone was expecting the Messiah to come soon and they were eager to know whether John might be the Messiah. I mean, this dude is like nobody else they've ever seen. They're thinking, this might be the guy. But in verse 16, John answered their questions by saying, I baptize you with water. But someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not even worthy to be his slave or to untie the straps of his sandals. Listen to what he says. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. In other words, Jesus will baptize you with His Holy Spirit so that you can live a life of purpose and meaning for the kingdom of God. That's why we're filled with the Holy Spirit. That's why we're baptized with the Holy Spirit. That's why God pours His gifts out to us through the Holy Spirit. Not so that we can have crazy, wild, uh, maniac services, which are fun and great and, and wonderful. That's not why the Holy Spirit is given and we are baptized. We are baptized to make a difference in this world. To be a gift to this world. To live our life on purpose, to be empowered and do with power so that we can live this life that John is talking about. I know every one of you watching right now, 106 of you, want to live a life that is meaningful, that is powerful. I do. I do. 
Over the next few weeks, we're going to be unwrapping the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We're going to be looking at each of them. We're going to be talking about the different categories. It's so much more. It's so much more than speaking in tongues. The Pentecostal church, we've overemphasized. It's a wonderful gift. And having a prayer language, and it's, that's a different thing, but speaking in tongues, having a, that's a wonderful gift, and we believe in that. I'm not lessening that, but we don't need to make it bigger. We, we, we tend to relegate everything and worry about that. There's so much more. We've allowed those things to divide us when they need to unite us. And we're going to be talking about that in the three different categories of spiritual gifts. I'm introducing that next Sunday. You don't want to miss it. You've got to be here. There's so much more. We're going to talk about later the baptism of the Holy Spirit from a biblical perspective, not my opinion, not a, not a, doc, not a, a church uh, denominational opinion, the word of the living God, what it says, period, what it says. Living a life of purpose, and that's what we're all about at New Life. You know that. Connecting to our God-given purpose. That's what this series is about. I mean, honestly. Living a life of purpose that truly counts, folks, is possible. Is possible. As I wrap up, this week, as you fast and pray, because I know you are, <laughs> if you haven't, start. Ask God to reveal. Ask God to reveal in you the dead wood, the things that need to be thrown onto the fire, the things that need to be taken away. Ask God to give you the strength. Listen, listen, listen. Ask God to give you the strength and the courage to deal with those things, to allow Him to prune those things off of you so that you can be everything that God has called you to be. Look, look at me. And He will. He will. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank You for this amazing time together with a hundred plus people who have tuned in. It's crazy. <laughs> it's just really awesome, Lord. I'm so thankful for this time. God, I'm praying for all of us that You would reveal not only the, the dead wood, not only the things that need to be pruned away, but also those things that you, those 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 things that maybe we've forgotten about, the hopes and the dreams that we've had that we've let kind of die because of our life, because of circumstances. God, renew those things in our mind and our heart. Remind us of those things because they're there, because that's our purpose. Those are things you've put in our heart to do for this world and in your kingdom. And God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would remind us of those things. Remind us of those things and help those things come to pass. Because we know your word is true. If you have begun a good work in us, you will complete it until the day of the Lord. Lord, I'm so thankful. I pray these things and I pray for my people. I bless my church congregation. I bless everyone who's tuned in that is not a part of our local church. I bless them and their church. In the name of Jesus, we thank you that we can live a life that counts. In Jesus' name, amen.